Welcome to Madcasters. Today's special guest is David Sharon, and he is here with Powerful Youth Leadership. You have just tuned in to the difference makers of a new generation. If you want to learn how to make a difference in your life, if you want the skills in order for you to impact your communities, Madcasters is your podcast. I invite you to get ready because this is the launch pad for you to go mad. What's going on, everyone? It's your host, Brian St. Louis, BSL, and we're here with another episode of Madcasters where we learn how to make a difference. I believe that the only way to effectively impact our world is to first progressively change the way that we see ourselves. That mindset transformation will launch us to enhance our holistic lifestyle and subsequently impact the world. So here, you will get the necessary tips, stories, and inspiration to learn how to make a difference in your life and in turn, impact the world be sure to follow and subscribe to our podcast we're basically everywhere from apple itunes google and if you would like to support this channel even more you can become a patreon supporter that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com backslash madcasters and you can choose whichever tier you would like to help support this channel even more the more supporters we get in this realm equates to more episodes launched every week and so if you see value in what we're doing in madcasters become a patreon supporter thank you to all those who are currently supporting and to those who will be supporters today we have with us david sharon from powerful youth global leadership academy and i must say this individual this man is truly a man with a heart of gold a passion to see the advancement the empowerment and the equipping of youth in our society i truly believe that what they have here with powerful youth leadership is phenomenal it's not just something in which we are able to feel good about but it's a way that youth are able to take the necessary skills to truly impact their world thank you so much david for coming on to the podcast why don't you tell us a little bit more about who you are what you do and how you're impacting the world through powerful youth leadership yeah well um as you said my name is david sharon and i am been an educator and social entrepreneur for some 20 years now uh working in uh non-profit and for-profit foundation work um and currently the director of summer programs and planning at uh, Quinnipiac University, as well as the uh, co-founding member of Powerful Youth a Social Enterprise, focused on uh, instilling uh, leadership soft skills to young adults, 12 to 18, all around the world, uh, to create uh, change in their communities. Oh, that's um, awesome, man. Yeah, so that's that's the short version, but uh, excited to get into some of the other questions and uh, more so about helping other people on their sort of uh, development journey and uh, social enterprise. Absolutely, man. Uh, wh- why don't you tell us a little bit more about why or what kind of impassioned you to going into youth leadership or youth mentorship? Yeah, um, I think that I was thinking about this. Uh, I've always thought about like where the beginning of these things lies. Um, I think that certainly my parents had uh, something to do with it. Um, my father uh, was definitely, uh, as much as he was, you know, pushing me to be the best that I can be, you know, academically or professionally, um, he was always really, you know, 
focused on character and mm-hmm. uh, for himself, it was his Christian faith. And, you know, mm-hmm. I know that, uh, you know, above and beyond Bible studies, the things that hit me was like when he got into like prison ministries and things yeah. of that sort and sort of going above and beyond what a uh, typical average person, you know, does to like reach out. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And for my mom, like she, was always really invested in the community and uh, she was actually president of her like soup kitchen. And I remember growing up, you know, walking down the street downtown and, you know, someone came, you know, kind of walking out of an alleyway. And I was just, my initial like conditioning was that this is not a good thing. And then they said, Oh, hi, Ginny. And that's her name. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, it was a homeless person just coming up to like, you know, just talk to her and like catch up wow. with her. And she would just like, you know, catch up with them and how they're doing. And, and it was just, I don't know, it just sort of like flipped things for me where um, I realized that uh, it, it's pretty awesome, you know, to get past that layer of um, that that's blocking you from reaching out for whatever right. reason, whether it's on your end or you think it's on their end, they're too dangerous or whatever it is, all these preconceived notions. Um, I think that that may be where it started. And then, you know, in high school, I did a lot of volunteering, um, and then in college, found ways through like work study. Uh, instead of just sitting at a desk, I was like, you know, I'll go tutor, you know, s- students after school. And I got sort of bit by the bug of uh, helping other people to help themselves. It was it was something I felt like I was pretty good at and I definitely enjoyed. And um, I think that transpired into, you know, what I focused on in my undergraduate degree, which was uh, psychology and theater. Uh, which oh, don't right. seem connected, and people used to <laughs> they used to joke that I was like, "Well, what are you going to treat like crazy actors?" And right. <laughs> I was like, "It's a good joke," but like for me, it was psychology was about people and how they think and 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 mm-hmm. what gets them moving and not moving, you know, uh, emotionally, motivationally, and then theater was just how to like reach people, how to like make impact, right. how to how to convey that, how to communicate, and so. Yeah, on and on. So the, the fundamental start would probably be uh, my parents and, and having that good fortune to have, you know, a good good example to follow. Man, that's, that's actually really amazing um, to know that you had this example to follow throughout your life, to see your parents uh, both going into some ways in which they're helping community. You're, you're, you're constantly seeing this throughout uh, since your childhood. So it's I feel like it's almost in you, you know, no matter what is going to, you know, I mean, uh, I joke, I joke that like, I don't know if I was like way better at math or something <laughs> else. Like, I mean, I, I, I totally go into some other profession, not you. Right. Maybe I would, but um, I, I just, yeah, it fit with me um, in so many ways, work-life balance, connecting with people, you know, I'm a talker, like I'm trying to be concise here because we're on a podcast, but, you know, my wife would definitely say that, like, <laughs> like I'm definitely a talker, so. Well, that's um, good, man. We like talkers here on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully, so. Let me let me ask you this, uh, David. Yeah. Um, a lot of people like to help people. They do. Mm-hmm. Or I actually, I'm going to take that back. Not too many people like to help people, actually, but there are people who who enjoy that, right? It's something that they feel is very important for them. But what I've realized in society is that a lot of people have difficulties working with young people. How how do you think you've been able to to break those barriers and and to work uh, as a as a mentor as a leader for for young people, especially in this day and age? Because mm-hmm. the um, the gap has become a lot 
larger, uh, especially with with technology that we have now. So how do, have, how have you been able to find ways to to bridge that gap with within the younger generation? I mean, I think there's a couple of things, um, you know, overall, fundamentally, um, working with youth is like fundamentally aligned with what I love to do, what I'm passionate about. And I think that's, you know, that gets into what we'll talk about, you know, powerful youth later, you know, the, the social enterprise that I co-founded um, that if, you know, if you're going to volunteer for youth to, to feel better, to fix problems, to, um, I don't know, do it to make money, to you know, whatever the motivation is. Um, I think there's, there, there can be a lot of misalignment out there. Like people feel like, Oh, I'm going to go inspire youth and I'm going to be inspired. And like, they go into a classroom, like no skills, no experience. They have this preconceived notion. Young people have this preconceived notion about you, depending on your age, depending on your race, depending on. So like, there's all this stuff coming from two worlds, coming into one world on one volunteer day. Mm. And you just see what shakes out. Right. And then, and so that's where you get volunteers who get, you know, disenfranchised or they just, they're like, Oh, the, I couldn't take it or it was too crazy or it was disorganized or the kids are bad or like any number of different, like bad experiences that result from that, I think come from a misalignment of, well, what are you getting into? What, what are you getting into this for? Like and so that. for me, like fundamentally, I don't, I, I want to help young people to help themselves. I've worked with adults. I, I've done adult education. Um, it was interesting. It taught me a lot. And I feel like I did some work, but man, the whole time I was like, I really like adults as friends, but when it comes to students, you know, I just rather catch them earlier. Like I'd rather catch them before. Well, because like, I get it. I'm set in my ways and it's really hard to change, you know, how I do things and not Mm -hmm. impossible, but so much easier when you're talking to a young person who doesn't have 30, 40 plus years of doing it one way, even if it's, you know, the whatever, you know, just less efficient way. So um, I think a lot of it, one comes down to what are you trying to get into this for, right? Is it for you? Is it for them? Like being honest about that and then picking the engagement that fits that, right? Like, you know, a one hour, you know, in-class volunteer, school volunteer is totally different than saying, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm so sick of my job. I want to feel better about myself. I want to go be a teacher. It's like, talk to any teacher like it's a heavy lift. Like it's, you know, it's like, it's like, it's, so you have to know what your motivation is and it has to line up with what it is that you're, you're, you're picking out. And for me, it does. Like I, I, I love the challenge of trying to get through to, to young people, you know, different, you know, backgrounds, histories. I mean, I've, I've worked with them all for sure across the gamut ages, socioeconomic, you know, status. I mean, even just, you know, yeah, the, the whole range, like, and it's just been an awesome, I don't know. It's, I think the other side of it is other than aligning what your passion is and getting into the right engagement, that's right for you and what you're looking for. Um, I think that what happens a lot when a lot of people want to make a change, they already are in a place where they're probably not making at a change or as much change as they want to make. So there's mental inertia there. They get themselves real hype. They're like, uh, they're thinking about it. They're reading it. They're watching it. And they're like, boom, 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 boom. And then there's like that moment of go time. 
And then they feel like they suddenly have to like go all in and they have to be all there and they have to be all present. And they just push a lot of themselves into a situation where they weren't before. Right. So like when I was working in East Harlem and working with, you know, inner city youth, um, I remember like, I was like, okay, it's like go time. Like I got my, you know, it was one of my, it was my second job, but it was, it was exactly what I wanted. And I wanted to, you know, inspire these youth. And, and I was just, it was a lot of me, but part of it is like, I needed to, and I realized this later, I like, I sort of need to just chill out and create space for them to give an offer. And if they didn't want to, to, to not push it, uh, to let that bridge build itself as it needed to be built. But, you know, I think a lot of people, they, they have to talk themselves into it and, and break past that mental inertia. And then they come in too strong. And then young people, you know, depending on where, what their background is and, and what sort of what we're talking about here, like whether we're talking about like privileged youth or at-risk youth or, you know, certain things are the same, certain things are different. Um, you're, you're coming in like a wave to like this, this ocean that they're already getting chucked around in. And so they're, they're having to navigate you and you're looking for them to connect and have answers and, and be, and, and you're still like looking for the end of the montage, right? Like mm. a montage is like a quick, yep. like satisfying, like, Oh, you know, yeah, and finally by the montage, you go from like, can't get off your couch to like doing like pull-ups. And <laughs> so like, so with youth, like you can't do that, like, or you can't mm-hmm. really do that with anybody. Right. Like you, sometimes you get lucky and you, you meet like a, a soulmate, but with youth, you have to create that time and space for them to engage and, and offer and be a part of, you know, or not be a part of whatever it is that you're trying to do with whatever program or volunteering you're trying to do. No, I, I agree big time with that, man, because um, as you know, I've worked uh, different capacities with youth, mm-hmm. you know, working as a, in the juvie as a youth specialist, youth, working as a teacher, um, and then the campus administrator for at-risk youth. Um, mm-hmm. and sometimes I like to, I just say, I don't even like to use the word at-risk. I just like to, I, I like to use a term, um, youth that are misunderstood. Um, yeah, and, that's good. Yeah, it's, it, it helps to to change the perspective of, of them. And so, uh, but yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. It's a process. You can't just jump in there. You have the the one or two out of the hundreds that you might be able to connect with. I had a kid, mm-hmm. I'm going to say his name exactly right now, but he he and I connected from day one. Mm-hmm. It, was, it, was, it was just simple. You know, we both were like, oh, you know, you're great. I'm great. Cool. Yeah. You know, but then yeah. after a while, but some of the other ones that were, and, and it's funny because some of the other ones that, that take so much time, you get, though, when you finally get there, for them to open up, for them to to connect with you, those are some of the greatest relationships you'll ever see too. And yeah. so, yeah, I completely one hundred percent agree with you, man. Uh, I, I want to move more so into the the wholeness of of the nonprofit that you've do you that you've uh, co founded when mm-hmm. it comes to powerful youth. Can you tell us just? What is that about? How powerful is powerful youth? <laughs> How powerful is powerful youth? It's uh, it's to be determined. It's infinite. Like so, back in 2014. So this was back after I had done a bunch of work in nonprofit. Uh, you know, I worked in East Harlem. I was the director of a GED employment training program in Brooklyn. 
Uh, I went to go get my MBA. I'd worked in higher education just after that. Um, done some foundation work, uh, which was was really uh, enlightening. So I'd had sort of a lot in my in my tool belt at that point. A lot of it very purposeful because I was like, mm-hmm. you know, if I really want to make a career out of this, like I want to I want to be well rounded. Yeah. Um, you know, and so back in 2014, when I was working in higher education. I was sort of, um, I had met this other, um, you know, sort of like-minded educator, uh, Dr. Graham Brown, and we really hit it off and and we saw sort of, it was interesting, we had sort of come to the same place, coming by very different routes, Uh, you know, him with his PhD in organizational leadership and, you know, being in the more traditional education route. And then for myself, I'd been uh, in experiential learning and nonprofits and, and foundations and and both of us coming to the realization, like, we want to do something, and we've always wanted to do something with our career, um, but what is it we fundamentally both believe? And and we it didn't take us super long, you know, uh, to, to realize that, like, we both believed in the power of youth. Now, we didn't say powerful youth right away. We thought that was dumb. We thought it was too simple. So we started, like, getting into, like, Latin derivatives and, like, started to, like, make up names of organizations because we're like, yeah. we're going to make an awesome, like, youth driven organization where youth, you know, will teach them the confidence and the skills and, and the global perspective, you know, to, to create change in their communities. Cause we, mm-hmm. we started to think like, Oh, we're going to, we're going to teach them to like do good in the world. Yeah. But then we realized like, it's, it's, it's actually not that like young people fundamentally, like they are motivated. You know, even if they're on their phone, they're motivated to be on their phone for whatever reason. They're motivated to they have their motivations. But a lot of times, like the reason why they don't do other things, you know, that maybe adults would, would hope that they would do is they just they just don't see it or they don't know how to engage with it or they don't know what the value of that other thing is that they're not doing. And mm-hmm. so if we could just, you know, give them uh, the confidence to, you know, put them through a number of scenarios, teaching, training, games that would build their confidence as a leader. If we could teach them that leadership is not about, you know, and we do a lot of different sort of activities where we break down their assumptions about what a leader is. And usually they think it's like somebody who's famous and generally white, but not always. And, you know, is like either conquered many lands or runs a company and and then it's always wonderful when like, you know, one girl like stands up in the back and is like, I'm a leader. And then everybody like laughs. And then it's like, no, you got the answer. Like you are a leader. So, so explain, how are you a leader? And then, mm-hmm. and then, and then everything starts to shift when they start to, when you like poke at their assumptions and you realize that they all fall apart. Um, so powerful youth came about when both he and I came together and realized that youth are fundamentally powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some gaps and it tends to be things around confidence, which comes with time and experience and positive reinforcement. Yeah. Uh, you know, leadership skills, they know what they are. They have different pieces of them. But but knowing that working as a team is actually important, right? Like it's not about being the smartest person in the room all the time. And so, so sure. giving them some structure and understanding to some of the things that are skills that they don't know are skills. And then global perspective, um, which is, you know, they just – they haven't had as much time as other people to travel the world and see how other cultures operate. And, you know, we've had students who say, Oh, I want to help people in Africa. And, you know, I think they need this. And it's like, 
what do you know about people in Africa? And right. it's not like, it's not a, it's not a ding on you, but like, do you know anything about, and like, what did you watch? Did you watch a video? Do you have a friend, you know, friend of a friend, like sort of building up that empathy portion so that, you know, they're not guns blazing going out there and leading these projects that are not actually useful for the communities that they're trying to impact. And, and so that's where powerful use started is we, we realized that the biggest thing that we could unleash, um, through the course of education is teaching youth about the power they have as leaders within their community and making it super, super fun and super, super engaging all along the way. And, and so powerful youth is not just in, in North America. No, it's uh, so we, we, when we started out, we started out, um, he's actually a resident of uh, Dr. Graham Brown's a resident of Canada. We started out in British Columbia, Canada with just oh, nice. a small camp. And so we did that for a couple of years uh, and it just grew. It went from like 20 students to like 60 plus 80 um, in Canada and, and then over multiple sessions. Then we expanded from originally we were working with just high school students, uh, like 15 to 18. And then we widened that because one day there was another camp that was running on the campus as of ours. And they were they were really good kids. They were like 12 to 14 but a few of them like kept sneaking into our program and like, these are good kids. Like these are kids who yeah. never get like slapped on the hand for anything. And we finally like realized that they were sneaking in and we like had to pull them out and they're like, no, like I can be a leader too. Like I want to do this. And so we're like, wow, like if they're sneaking into this program, like why don't we design a program for that younger audience? Yeah. And so that's where we came up with the junior, you know, global leadership Academy, uh, we have the Senior Global Leadership Academy, which is for the high school students, and we structure them differently uh, to be sort of age appropriate. But they're all really focused on, you know, real hands-on learning, real hands-on impact in in uh, their communities. And then just recently, just before, well, the year before COVID uh, changed everything, we we opened up in the UK, and so we ran a program in the UK for students coming from all around the world. Nice man. And then, yeah, I mean, most recently we've got into you know, okay, so we have these, you know, global leadership academies, uh, these two week immersive experiences with six months of coaching and follow up for these uh, dream projects that students do, uh, which are their own personal community projects that they want to lead up, uh, according to their passions. Um, we started getting into custom programs. So we would actually take some of our facilitators, myself as well, and, and others uh, who sort of got bitten by the powerful youth bug. Um, we take our trained facilitators and go to you know, nonprofits or school groups um, or community organizations, you know, all around the world uh, for different engagements, like sometimes for like a long weekend or sometimes for a week and, and bringing, you know, that experience, that education, that leadership education uh, to different youth in, in different countries all around the world. And there, I mean, I think there's like 10 plus countries that we've done it so far. And it's, it's so, again, it's just stuff that like I didn't plan but uh, I've been really fortunate to, you know, connect with the right people in the right way. And, and so it's gone from there. That's am that's amazing. Um, can we can we touch a little bit more on the dream project? Because that's very yeah. interesting what you're doing there. Uh, would you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Touch on that a little bit more, because that's something that really piqued my interest. Yeah. And it's 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 honestly the fundamental difference that I think that powerful youth takes on that a lot of other organizations no, I just just don't. And, and for various reasons. And so what it is, is that 
you know, when Graham and I, my co-founder, both were talking about powerful youth and we were just like, you know, there's no shortage of, you know, organizations out there that are looking to inspire youth. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times they do it in the like the pep rally approach, yeah. which is yep. and the pep rally could be hours or it could be days or it could be whatever it is. But it's all it's all very motivational. It's all very loud. It's all very exciting. Mm-hmm. And then the thing is, like it ends like the pep rally is going to end at some point. And then the youth walk away. And then what did they get from that? They got all jazzed up. But like fundamentally, skills wise, experience wise, confidence wise, like nothing changed. Wow. They just got really excited, but they didn't get any better equipped. And right, so, right. you know, our thought is that, you know, proof of concept comes from project based learning. Uh, there's a lot of other ways to do it. But, you know, essentially by fulfilling and completing a project, that is sort of proof that you know, you've, you've at least acquired some skills, right. That you, Mm -hmm. that you can do the things that you're getting all excited to do. And so that's where the dream project comes in is for the global leadership Academy that these youth coming from all around the world, ages, you know, 12 to 14 and 15 to 18, you know, from day one, the, the goal is not to just come here and be done. You know, you came to a leadership program and not a tennis program and not a volleyball program and not any other kind of program because you want to become a better leader and you want to meet other people from other cultures, but you also really want to fundamentally lead something. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we say, this is your, we're going to give you an excuse. We're going to, we're going to volunteer you to do something that you want to do anyways. Yeah, and it's going yeah. to be a dream project and it got, it's got to be something that takes, you know, and we give it some parameters because we found that if you give something, some loose parameters, creativity, is it's quicker to be creative than if you just mm-hmm. give an open blank slate. Cause if you just okay. give someone like a bunch yeah. of blank sheets of paper and say, write a novel, you know, versus, you know, I want you to write a novel about something you love mm-hmm. and it's gotta be, uh, you know, a hundred pages and it's gotta be, you know, something that involves other people or something, you know, you give it some like, parameters, yeah, people, like people, people get moving faster. I like that. They don't, they don't like deer in headlights, you know, so much. And so with the dream project, it's going to be something that takes two months to execute. They have to do it within six months of leaving the program. It has to involve, uh, it has to be something that costs you less than $20 to do. It has to involve 20 other people in some other way. Less than $20? Well, right. So it can be $20 out of their own pocket, right? But they can ask for donations. They can ask Mm. for support. They can ask for materials. Because here's the thing, right? Like when we bring students together at the Global Leadership Academy, like we have students from totally different ends of the socioeconomic spectrum. Like we have students who are 100% full scholarship coming from, you know, let's say South America. Um, But then we also have students from South America who's like, you know, parents are, you know, super well off and could Mm -hmm. basically just buy their their project over, right? Like they could just, just make it happen with money. The point of the dream project is not to like pay the problem away. Mm. And a lot of foundations will tell you, you can't, you can't do it anyways. Like even on, even on a larger scale. So we want to teach them that it's not about money, that it's about organizing people and having a passion and then, you know, crafting a good sort of plan of attack and then having some sort of vision, smart goal of success of what you want to do. So for instance, um, this girl, uh, Yasmin, coming out of Germany, of Lebanese descent, her passion was uh, cooking. And specifically, you know, because of her sort of multicultural background, 
Um, her passion was cooking, but at the time, it was during um, the, the, the Syrian refugee crisis, where there was a massive influx of Syrian refugees. You know, something that at that time was really personally resonant with her. Uh, and they were actually, uh, many refugees were coming to Germany and coming to her hometown. And where she was like very sort of ahead of the curve and sort of understanding, you know, how bad this was and, and how terrible this was, you know, she was also experiencing in her community a lot of, you know, sort of backlash and discrimination and like, what are all these new people? And so we said like, well, this is a, this is a big problem, right? You can't, you can't go after, you know, helping all the refugees, but how can you take your passion for cooking and help the refugees in your, in your community? And so we went through a bunch of different exercises and we have different tools, like your, um, your, uh, like a project plan. And she came up with, well, I'll do some dinners. I'll do some dinners at my school and I'll do, you know, Middle Eastern food, mm-hmm. which is something that she loves to cook and something from her heritage. And, but it will also expose people to Middle Eastern food. They'll pay, they'll come and they'll talk, but it'll give them a chance to sort of break bread with each other and then talk about, you know, what's this Syrian refugee crisis, right? Like, what does it mean for the community? What it doesn't mean for their community? And funny enough, I talked to like the assistant principal after she, she ended up doing three of these. She only planned to originally do one. Um, and all the money that she collected would go to UNICEF uh, and specifically to UNICEF that would distribute food and medical supplies to Syrian refugees. Mm-hmm. So that was sort of like how it was all aligned. And he said, you know, this was all super amazing. I mean, they, they were the school and, and even just in our local community, like people were really, you know, glad for this opportunity. And and he said that this project that she did, that she led, you know, with other people at her school was so much more effective than any school assembly they ever could have held. Wow. Um, that this was the best possible way that they ever could have hoped to address, you know, talking about what was going on in their community at wow. this time. And so, you know, that, and, and there's so many other stories of young people, you know, doing things, um, like like this, right? So the two young boys um, in Canada who came to our program, mm-hmm. one of them, uh, their mother had terminal cancer. Uh, mm-hmm. And so he was like, you know, I just, this is some my passion so much as like, this is the love of my life and, and I don't want to feel helpless. And so he said, you know, I want to, I want to raise money for cancer research, mm-hmm. but he was like, but, but how do I do this in a personal way? Right? Like, I don't want to just go out in the street and asking for money. So around their house, um, he realized that one of the things that sort of connected his, you know, memory to him and his home and his mom was these lavender fields that they had sort of wild lavender all around their house. Mm-hmm. And they would, and he went with his friend, you know, and picked up and created these like lavender bouquets, lavender uh, sachets. Uh, and it was, and he would sell them, but he would sell them with the story of like, you know, uh, like, you know, lavender to cure cancer. And they, and people would lavender to cure cancer. Like, what does that mean? And then he would go into his story and what he was right, doing. Right. And um, gosh, he, he raised like six or $7,000 in, in just a summer for wow. cancer research uh, for the Amazing. BC Cancer right. Research Center. So it's, I don't know, there's just, and the, the stories would go on and on and on of just young people. When you give them a little bit of direction and, and some support, I mean, they do so much of the legwork, right? They'll, they'll do it. But you just got to start at that point where like, are you tapping into their passion? Do they, does their mm-hmm. face fundamentally betray them and light up no matter how not cool it is, but it's cool to them. 
Mm. Like if you can find that, then like that's what powerful youth is about. Find their passion, put it into a purpose to change. And that's what we're about. Passion, purpose, change. That's, that's our secret sauce. <laughs> Change, man. Wow. Like, honestly, I'm I'm hearing this and I'm just I'm blown away because I I resonate with the fact that you're you're completely right with how there are many people who uh, who come in and they they help to to show these these kids or these youth, hey, this is what this is what you can do, and it's like this wonderful motivational speech. But you're giving them tools. You're 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 literally giving them yeah. the creative uh, capacity for them to to do the very thing that they would like to do to to enact in this world to 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 build. I mean, I mean, it's you're allowing them to take on skills and and resources that they'll take with them for the rest of their lives. This is not yeah. just uh, uh, hi, I feel good about myself kind of pre- um, program. This is. Man, I I am I am learning to be the best that I can be, and a lot of it came. And honestly, a lot of the I mean, this is this is us now, right? This wasn't mm-hmm. the idea back in 2014, and so it's taken a lot of iterations to get to this point. And and any good program, any education institution, you know, would have to has to iterate. It has I, I to adapt. Say that. You, it's great that the fact that you're willing to change and to adapt. Oh, you have. To. I mean, That's I remember. Great. Well, here you are, like talking about this dream project. I remember a couple years in, we were sitting down with because we would end up hiring back summer staff who had gone through the program, amazing, right? Yeah. And so we would do that so that they would know to be able to inspire others behind them and sort of pay mm-hmm. it forward. And so, and we would have professional staff. We would have a lot of international teachers, typically during the summer, who would be you know really interested in learning this sort of experience based learning because we don't we don't lecture. Um, everything's pro- like project-based, hands-on, like it's going to be fun and engaging. And if it's fun and engaging and worthwhile, then then you can get young people to work from eight in the morning till 10 at night because it's not work. It's, it's yeah. fun. Um, but what we found was, is like after a couple of years, we were doing this dream project and then we'd have staff come back and we say, did you do your dream project? And we're, and we're like talking to like the absolute cream of the crop kids, like regardless of where they're from, they're just super bright, mature. You're just like, they're, they're old souls. And they would say, no, I didn't do it. I'm sorry. And I was like, but why didn't you do it? And they're like, you know, cause we came here and it was such an amazing place and we learned so much and we we're challenged so much. And then we go home and it was just, and it just stopped. Right. Like it would just, if there, you guys weren't there and we're on our own and school stacks up and all these other pri- competing priorities would take mm-hmm. over. And so we said, man, you know what? Like we can either leave this as it is, or we can say, we have to put coaching in place, right? Like yeah, if they're yeah. saying that what they're lacking is not money and resources and, and a better program experience, but just someone to talk to and coach with afterwards, then we have to build that in. If we're really serious about making this impact, then we have to build that in. And so that's when we brought in like the dream cro- uh, coaching, which they can do online. They can sign up for it. You know, it's not something we can force someone to do, but if they want to do it, they can do it. Um, and, and that really helped, you know, bring a lot more dream projects across the finish line. Um, because yeah, they're dealing with competing priorities. I mean, if you're, you're a student in Korea and Japan, I mean, think about a lot of the Asian countries in particular, I mean, they go to school and then after school, they go to school again. Um, they call it tutoring, but it's not tutoring. Like they'll go to school again until like 10, 12 o'clock at night. So like, 
they're not a lot of hours in the day that they can dedicate to this other thing, but, mm-hmm. but they'll find it, you know, they'll take it out of their, <laughs> they'll take it out of their cell phone time yep. or they'll take it out of their, you know, um, you know, lunchtime or stuff like that and they get it done. So prioritize what's important. Right, right, yeah. right. So if you, if you love it, you'll find the time, you'll make the time. Man, you know, um, as I'm, as I'm hearing this, I, I'm always inclined to hear, uh, because it, it, it sounds so great. And, and, and I think that this is, I, I really hope to, to see this, uh, with my own eyes as well. At some point, definitely want to you're invited. You're definitely invited to the global leaders. This podcast is over. It's early. Yeah. I'm good. Mission, <laughs> I'm good. Yeah. No, I mean, but there's another. There's always another side of things, right? I mean, yeah. I feel like that's probably where you're going. Is yeah. like, it's what, not all. What's been the what's been the, uh, the the hardships that you've that you've dealt with as as a uh, as an organization? You know, I mean, I think a lot of it, and and to to listeners out there who are thinking about, you know making a change and, you know, some of them, you know, wanting to go bigger than, I, I want to go bigger than a volunteer. I want to like start something, I want to start an organization. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's great, but it's work, right? It's, it's really hard work. It's very different than in, than a typical job of in any industry um, because it's entrepreneurship. And, and as anybody who's been in, in that world for any amount of time can tell you, I mean, it's really hard to know what to do next because no, like day one of your new organization, like there's nothing in your inbox. Like there's no direction. There's what do I work on next? I could, what do I work on my brand, my marketing, my operations, my accounting? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, you could work on any and all of it. And then I think that it's the challenges are just the competing priorities of, you know, what do you do next? What's the most important thing that you should be working on? I mean, I feel really blessed um, for all the people in my life all along the way, you know, through all those different, you know, uh, work experiences and friends and family, you know, just constantly queuing in and like, you know, giving me some hints of like where to spend that time. Right. I remember talking to one of my best friends who had started business and here I was, you know, with this, this thing sort of in my back pocket and I told a couple people, but, and he was just like, David, like just share it open and often and as many times as possible, because you know what, it's not a secret. And I don't think you're worried about anybody stealing it. And the third and most important thing is you're just going to get better at telling it because right now it's, Mm -hmm. I'm going to tell you, it's it's really rough. I don't quite follow you. Um, but it's going to get better as you tell more and more people and you don't know what's going to come of opening up and letting those other people know what's on your heart and and where you're, what you're looking to do. So I was like that. Thanks. Like, you know, and that was, that was really fantastic advice. Um, and I got a lot of that along the way. Um, I think the other challenge to all this work is that finding, you know, finding the balance, right? So like, you know, we're, we, we're a social enterprise, right? So, you know, we take in money, uh, but then, you know, we're not a not for profit, uh, because, you know, we just can't sustain ourselves in that model. Um, Mm. but we do offer scholarship to students. And so, and we also focus on community impact. So everything and all the projects that all the students do, all that money goes directly to all those nonprofits that the young people choose and, and pick to support. You know, the, the funds that we have basically go to reinvest in getting more and more students to be able to come and participate in our program from all over the world. Mm-hmm. So finding the balance that's right for you 
And then, um, yeah, I mean, the other challenges, other opportunities will come along and then fundamentally know what you're standing for and what you don't stand for. Um, because as things get rolling, you know, you'll get these like tangential offers to like, oh, this leadership program, this powerful youth, that's so great. Can you do it without the community service? You know, because it's just not a priority. We do a lot of community service at our school. And, and, and it's like, well, no, because like fundamentally powerful youth is about youth being powerful, being a power for change within their communities. Right. And so we're not looking to create a business program. Like if they go into business as a result, then sure, that's great. That's fine. Yeah. But like for this experience, like it's focused on community impact. Uh, we've had other offers where it's like, oh, my gosh, like you're working with so many international students and it seems like a really fantastic English as a second language program. Right. They're reading, writing, speaking in English. Holy cow. We we would love to have them doing the amount of work that you have them doing. And it's like, can you just sort of like ease off the other stuff and like, the you know, the dream project and like that's too stressful. And and we're like that's not us. Like, it's yeah. great. It's great that you want that. And it's great. And we take the compliment, you know, that you see what we're doing. But, um, you know, though we adapt and iterate, I think it's also important for people to be careful about just, just default saying yes, because you're in a small place, you're in a growing place. Um, it's like tending a garden. You just want to be mindful of what you're putting in that garden. Mm. I, I really like what you just said here, because I think um, for me personally, uh, and we may have to talk after this conversation, but for me personally, um, I there's there's this way in which sometimes you want to appease in order to to try to fit yourself into multiple um, multiple places. Uh, what you did, you said no. Doesn't matter. Didn't matter how small you were. You said no. This is who we are. And this you you allowed yourself to build that identity to understand what this program was going to be. You didn't allow outside for, uh, forces to to move you from that position, to move you from that mindset, and and that's why you're able to thrive so much now through powerful youth. I I, I find that very commendable because. Uh, I've seen I've seen many organizations personally. I, I've I personally have done that as well, where mm -hmm. you just okay. Well, you know, I'm trying to get my name out there. I'm trying to do the yeah. Why not? I'll, yeah. I'll do this little yeah. thing. Oh, I might tweak it here. No, you yeah. stuck to your guns. I love that. I love that, David. I, I think that that's so admirable, especially being being an organization where you're you're not necessarily so well known yet. I'm pretty sure this happened earlier on. So you're not so well known yet to be able to, to stay on to the purpose, to the mission, to the vision of what you knew you wanted to see. That's amazing. Yeah. And I, I love that. I love that a lot. But I think it's like any organization at any size, like, or even just in an individual, right? Like you have to know what you stand for. You have to know whether you stand for family yes. or your profession or for fun or, you know, money or fame or, you know, whatever it is that you stand for. Like, very true. You got to be conscious of that. And if you're not conscious of that, you know, you fall into like, I don't know if it was Henry Ford or somebody else that said, you know, if you stand for nothing, you fall for everything. I think that was Henry um, Ford, yeah. Yeah. So uh, it's, it's not being stubborn and it's not being, you know, belligerent about it. It's just being strategically know what you stand for, 
know that, you know, these other things are great, but if they're just not a fit strategically, like it's just a matter of time before it's going to show itself to be the wrong move. And then it's just so much messier on the back end to fix if you're, if you're, if you're doing something that fundamentally isn't why, you know, I quit my job to start this whole venture, you know, it's, you just get, you're just delaying the the bomb that will eventually go off. Uh, and, and I've seen it in professional organizations as well, where like nonprofits are so desperate for money that they're like, oh, here's like $50,000, $100,000 from Dairy Growers of America. But in order to take this money, like we had to serve, like no joke, we had to serve buttermilk to our students, I think like once a week. And like, I've never drank buttermilk in my life. <laughs> like, I, was like, I was like what is this like yeah i mean we could take the money but i don't understand like this is just, right it's just a weird this just feels like weird taking this money and then like what else are they gonna ask like but already the ask is is just doesn't make sense so like thanks right. thanks no thanks right let me let me ask you a question based on what you <laughs> said actually <laughs> I don't know. I mean, maybe some people love buttermilk just to like. I, mean, I, don't, I don't know, pancakes, man. Pancakes, if they like, maybe, but maybe they yeah. wouldn't have that. I don't know. I don't know, man. <laughs> Look, yeah. how were you able to 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 finance and fund uh, powerful youth? Because um, I know once again it is hard to do so. Uh, but yeah, I mean, a lot of it, a lot of it in the beginning, like early days, was definitely my my own money. But you know, it, it's not a, it's not as much of an investment uh, that people think it is to start a business. Because if you have a really good idea, you know, websites are cheap and then you can start, you can start putting your name out there. You can start, you know, and and we did too. We had like, we had a program, we had, you know, made some reservations of like, here's where we're going to run it. This is the program we're going to run. And then we just need students. So we're a tuition based um, model you know, where students pay tuition. And then, you know, as part of that, like we, it's all inclusive, like a room, board, food, meals, everything. So like we collect that tuition in advance and then depending on that tuition and the enrollment, you know, then we, we work out all our finances from there. So like, that's, you know, our model allows us to do that. Now, if we were like selling something like a physical object, like, you know, it depends. Like you could, you could get your orders up front and then you could use that money to then produce the thing that you say that you could produce. Um, right. if you were like, I don't know, solar cells for farmers or something like, so that's, that's where like the social entrepreneurship aspect comes in, right? Like that's where, you know, you're doing good. Um, but financially you are sustainable and scalable. Um, and it's not like, you know, if we receive funds, we don't have to I don't know, like with nonprofits, there's different rules and regulations about where that money can go, you know, not just how much you can pay people, but like, you just can't like hang on to that money. You have to like right, go buy right. buildings or go buy supplies. And yeah, I remember yeah. like in my nonprofit days, they would, sometimes the teachers would just open up drawers and drawers and drawers. And I was like, those drawers are filled with supplies. And they're like, well, because if you don't buy them, you lose them like in the previous year. So we just buy them. And I was like, but like you, like, you'll never get through that. Like you're just, you're just yeah, buying yeah. those supplies. That's, that's seems a little backwards to me, not like all across the board, but in that particular scenario, it's like sure. this, this sort of like um, you get a grant and then you have to spend up all that money to the grant. And by the time that the grant ends and you're like, but, but we don't want to, like, we don't know, like maybe what, what if like the day after the week after the month after the year after that grants finished, 
we have this really amazing opportunity to invest in something. We don't have that cash. And it's, you know, I get it. It's part of the, it's part of the system. It's part of the grant, you know, giving process, but you know, it, it has its limitations. Mm. So what's, what's next for, for the, for powerful youth, what's the next um, project or what's the, what's on the next horizon? Where are you guys? Yeah. Uh, a couple different things, right? So, I mean, I remember reading something uh, once where they, you know, in, in bad times, businesses and organizations start doing the things they should have been doing anyways. I've heard that and before. yeah. And so, you know, you start to get a little leaner mm. and you also start to realize, okay, you know, what is powerful youth? How So we're growing. We have, Global Leadership Academies in Canada, and we have junior and senior programs in the UK, and then we're doing these custom programs. But then what was always the fundamental hope was that what we do and how we do, and now that we've developed a model and, and, and proof of concept of something that we know works with youth, you know, there was a girl in Australia who did a sleepathon and raised Great. tons of money for like insomnia research. I mean, there's wow. like there's tons of video games, video games doing amazing things now with like protein folding synthesis. Hmm. And so they found that like what they do is they basically put a video game out there. That's like a protein game. And you have to find like the, the path of least resistance, which is how proteins fold. Apparently I don't, I didn't know any of this till one kid challenged me to make a video game useful to other people. You know, where we're going next is um, we now have our curriculum online uh, portions of it. So we have three of our sort of best hits from our global leadership Academy. Uh, they're up on our website right now, powerfulyouth.com. And you can go and you can look at resources and we have a blog. So every month we're putting out a blog, which is just on different, you know, youth leadership related topics like, you know, top 10 best Instagram accounts for young, you know, young people to be following, uh, young leaders to be following. Um, Then we have podcasts like, you know, top 10, you know, podcasts that youth uh, can be, you know, youth friendly podcasts that can be listening to. Um, and now we'll, we'll put Madcasters on there because you know that was before. <laughs> we'll make some changes, but so we're just we realize now that instead of focusing so much on the program and the thing you know which sort of got us to where we are now, that now it's time to open up and sort of uh, and like cross pollinate, right? Put put some of that stuff out there for free. Put the lesson plans out there for free. Um, so that educators, youth workers, you know, anyone who's interested in this space can find it, use it. And if it's useful to them, great. If it's useful to them and then they want to like take something else to the next step, like an after school program or, you know, help develop their own summer program, you know, then, then hopefully they'll think of us and, and maybe we can help them out. And if we can't help them out, then we'll point them in, in the best direction that we know. So I think that's where things have gotten to this point is that, you know, through iteration and sort of a lot of, you know, conversation and, and development, you know, the program is where it's at and we can operate pretty much in any location that we can find the right conditions for. But I think now is about opening up that experience and sharing it more freely uh, with other educators and uh, youth workers, you know, anywhere around the world. So it's, it's so far been working because we went from like a couple hundred people like looking at our, website to several thousand people looking at our website wow. on, a, on a weekly basis. Um, so that's, that's impressive, man. There you that's, go. What, that's what Google tells me. And, and how many students do you have right now as well through uh, powerful youth? So just over like a 
hundred. So usually in the summers we'll be working with anywhere from like a hundred to a hundred and fifty students mm-hmm. uh, between Canada and the UK. Okay, awesome, man. David, I'm gonna ask you one more question, and this is gonna go more back to a personal basis. Yeah. How do you feel that person that powerful youth has changed you? What do you feel has been the greatest benefit for your life? Wow. Um, yeah, it's, I think it's given me a lot to hope for, um, because I like that when I, when I first got into powerful youth, I mean, I, I was a hard worker and, and, and really, you know, my heart and my head were very much aligned and, you know, sort of getting things done and, and being successful and helping people. Um, but powerful youth was a huge leap of faith. I mean, that was, that was, it was a big test for me. And there was a lot of thankless days where you're just like, you know, I'm changing the world, but nobody cares because I'm here crushing email or like trying to get this like website up or, you know, and there's just a lot of time where you feel like you're just shouting in an empty room. Mm. Um, and, but you sort of have to remind yourself like, but, but I'm not here for the notoriety. Like, that's not why I came, right. you know, I came, you know, to work with the young people and, and every summer would be that recharge. And I think that's what powerful youth has taught me that like, you know, no matter how big or amazing or, you know, the accomplishments, like I, I don't remember some, I mean, I remember the days where like, you know, we'll get like an award or a recognition or like a, like a really thoughtful email from an administrator, but I'll like never forget. Like when the young people say like, this is so much fun or, yeah. you know, I remember I was flying back from one of the programs and the girl from Hong Kong was like, that was so amazing. And I was like, I know culturally for you right now to like even be speaking up to me, like is such a huge deal, but for you to feel so comfortable you know, with me to just open up and talk to me about how amazing that experience was. And she was talking about other programs that she'd gone to and and just how this one, she really felt like she was doing something meaningful. Mm-hmm. And I just, so I think powerful youth has taught me to, despite all the, the work and the effort of getting something done um, that like, don't lose sight of the, the, the process and, and the intentionality and that, you know, if you're doing things the right way, even if they're not necessarily on track or they're not going as fast as you want, as long as you're being intentional about the process you're on, like those satisfying, you know, wonderful, heartfelt moments, like they'll happen. They'll be there. Like, they'll, you know, there might be some quiet times and there will be some quiet times. And it's the same thing in any profession. You know, there'll be some quiet times. Um but if you're if you're working the process the way that you want to do it and that you, it's 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 aligned with your passions and you're doing it the right way, um, the the payoffs whatever that is that's that's aligned with your passions will come. And so for powerful youth, I mean, even just having this conversation, you know, like um, when you reached out, you know, via email and and I and I listened to some of the other amazing you know people that you've interviewed, uh, I was like, oh, this is this is fantastic. This is like a fantastic opportunity. This is a, a wonderful. Uh, thing that you're doing, you know, um, and I, and I was just like, I'm, I'm, I'm really flattered, you know, to be seen and that, and that I can be of some help to you and your listeners and, and part of my experience. Uh, I'll just be honest with you, David, man, you've really, uh, you've inspired me more than you think. 
Um, there's a lot that that has been said throughout this episode that has helped me to understand certain things uh, that you're doing uh, as an organization. Um, I have some aspirations as well that I want to move towards at some point in my mm-hmm. life. And so to hear uh, the, the process and what you're doing, the passion behind your why, your mission, everything behind Powerful Youth and how to be, uh, and ultimately how it's impacting the lives of young people, but not even just that how now you're you've impacted those lives to now impact other lives and and that's one of the greatest was well, the definition of greatness is not just to keep from within but be, to be able to um help others to 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 impact other people as well and that, yeah. that's what powerful youth is doing i'm very i've on throughout this whole episode just been taken a lot in writing some things down myself. Uh, and I just, I, I'm very, very glad to have had you on this show. Um, if, if there's anything else that you need to say, what, what, how, what do you want to leave with us today? Yeah, no, I, I mean, first of all, thank you so much, you know, Brian, for this amazing opportunity. And Absolutely. I think it's, 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 it felt very similar, you know, listening through your episodes and what you're trying to do, uh, with Madcasters, I mean, it's, it's. I know, it's going to be amazing. It will be because it's the right. It's the right thing. It's the right process. You're very, you know, mindful about what you're doing, and it's it shows in in the episodes. Um, so thank you for this opportunity. Absolutely. And then the other thing is, if this resonates with you know anyone, you know, whether you're a youth or an educator or even just someone who's like looking to get involved, I mean, you can check out what we're doing at powerfulyouth.com. Um, you know, we do run summer programs. So if you know somebody, uh, you know, age 12 to 18, who you think would be, you know, really keen to get involved with, uh, you know, developing their leadership skills, their confidence and their global perspective in a, in a multicultural environment, um, then, you know, check us out. We have senior programs for 15 to 18. Uh, we have junior programs that teach design thinking and, and they also do a version of a dream project. Um, and that's in Canada and the UK and, we do offer scholarships. So I know that, you know, finances, especially before COVID were, you know, challenging, but you know, now with COVID certainly for some uh, very challenging, but, you know, part of that is our investing in young people. Like we do believe that, um, you know, and there's an easy application process for that. So I think that, you know, whether you're an adult, whether you're a youth, um, I would say that there's, if this resonates with you, if this is something you're curious about, you know, come check us out, uh, you know, send us an inquiry. We're like, you know, we're, we're open to talk. We, we know that, uh, we'll, we'll help in any way that we can, right? Like we, we get inquiries all the time from folks all around the world who stumble upon us and, uh, you know, any number of different things, you know, good happen from there. So that's my, that's my call to action. As we tell our students, like if you're going to take the time to make a presentation, thank everybody, and then just, you know, give them, you know, some sense of what you want them to do next. And you're also on social media, correct? Absolutely, yeah. So uh, we're on Facebook uh, and Instagram, um, and you can all of that stuff connects. If you go to powerfulyouth.com, uh, you can link up to all our socials. And you know, Instagram was like a lot of great photos from all our prior academies, and you know, young people doing amazing things and sort of thoughts and inspirations. And then you know, Facebook now is yeah for all the us old ones. Uh, and so that has a bit more of some of the uh, the content and materials 
uh, and, and sort of things for the adult audience. Um, so those are how we use our socials. Awesome. David sharing everyone with powerful youth. I have been blessed. I know if you're here at this minute, Mark, here, you have been blessed as well. Uh, we just want to thank you so much, David, for coming on to Madcasters, showing us how you're making a difference and how we can continue to to be inspired to make a difference in our communities as well. Definitely looking forward to, to finding some way to partner with you as well, because I'm big into youth, so I'm definitely going to have continued. Absolutely. And uh, we just want to say thank you again and looking forward to the wonderful work that Matt, that uh, powerful youth will continue to do throughout the world. Absolutely. Thank you so much. I really appreciated this. Awesome. Thank you for tuning into today's episode of Madcasters. Please remember, do what you were called to bring into this world. Find a way to make a difference in your life and in someone else's life today, even if that's just one thing. Follow us on Instagram. Don't forget to leave a rating and review and become a Patreon supporter. Tune in next Thursday as we continue to grow and inspire because this is the launch pad for you to go mad.